And on that note, we cue the music. My dudes, it is season two of the Movie Blues Podcast. I'm Dan Lyons. I'm Dan Lyons! <laughs> and we are here uh, to bring you more quality content as you were served up in season one with a couple little alterations, a couple little nips, tucks, and changes. Um, nips, tucks? The first of which is that uh, this season we're going to kind of do more episode-centric episodes so that you don't have to wade through... Um, us kind of just like rambling like we've lost our minds for 45 minutes about um, TV shows that either one of us isn't watching or the other, other isn't watching. And now you can get straight to the business. So when you click on a movie, it's going to be like mostly about that movie. And then in between episodes, we're going to have mini episodes, which I don't know if you've devised like a hilarious name for a mini episode series, but... Um, Not yet. Uh, I'm sure you'll be working on it. Um, and uh, then that'll clue you in on... What Dan About Town. Yeah, Dan About Town. <laughs> I kind of like that. Um, that'll clue you in on what we've been watching, what we're recommending that's Dan currently in theaters. Dan on Fire. Um, Dan's and, Dance Revolution. Or Dan's List. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, and, um, not a pun, but equally topical. <laughs> um, so we're going to give you the information that way too. Um, but as for now, we're just going to get it started. Um, we are starting this season, uh, with a reboot. What the fuck is a reboot? Uh, both our own show and also the Kevin Smith show, which is continued on into 2020 he's still alive he's still making movies yoga hosers didn't in fact kill him uh or us nor did his heart attack nor did his heart attack and now we are circling around uh to see if maybe jay and silent bob reboot is the uh saving grace that we were looking for after we both pretty much hated yoga hosers a lot very much 10 out of 10 hatred. Everybody um, hated Yoga Hosers. If you want to hear our thoughts in the, on that, either check your garbage can or go back to season one, episode two. If there's anyone who is a fan of the movie Yoga Hosers, yeah. please let us know. Please and, call us now. We, we will talk to you on air. Yes. You will become the third host. Yeah. Because if we can find somebody that likes that, yeah. we're in You are shape. fucked, sir. You are fucked, sir. So to kick this off, um, we're going to go uh, first and talk to Dan about his experience seeing Jay and Silent Bob reboot, uh, which was the Jay and Silent Bob reboot roadshow, um, a live Q&A with uh, the human marshmallow Kevin Smith himself uh, as he, um, mm. I don't know, sucks his fans' dicks and takes questions while watching yeah. reboot. I could not attend because I was playing a show uh, in Colorado, and Dan made me feel bad about it. And now let's hear about what he thought of Jay and Silent Bob reboot, the experience, 4DX. Yeah. Roadshow. Yeah. It was very much not 4DX, aside from the fact that I got to see the depth of Kevin Smith in person, which was about as deep as one would expect. Okay. Um, okay. What? Why? Why didn't you go to that? You were playing a show. I had a show in Colorado. We, we stood here one day 
as we were about to record a podcast and ordered tickets to this thing. Mm. And I, I want to say about two weeks, three weeks before the thing, you were like, when is that again? Mm. And in that period of time, I got booked for a show in Colorado, yeah. which I wouldn't have turned down even if I did remember Yeah, that that reboot was there, but I did feel bad about it. I would have liked to have seen Kevin Smith. It was um, fine. I honestly, now, I rewatched reboot last night, and having done so, I kind of wish that I had just waited rather than hmm. having gone to this this crowd of just dick suckery. Where yourself not included in that, eh? Yeah, myself not included. <laughs> I I I am embarrassed that that demographic of hardcore Kevin Smith fans is what I was once a part of. Mm-hmm. However, part of me isn't because at the time that I was like balls deep in that yoga hosers wasn't yet a thing, cop out wasn't yet a thing. There there was no reason. So far, he had only hit them out of the park, mm-hmm. and including Jersey Girl. And, <laughs> and continue. Um, this this was like it was almost awkward in there. I'm trying not to like spoil too much of reboot before we get into actually talking about reboot. But that crowd was just so ready and willing to laugh at every single Kevin Smith reference in that movie, sure. even sure. ones that were not meant to be funny. So that, they never stopped laughing. No, is what you're saying. right, literally, like things that were like, and there are jokes in this movie that do not land. Yeah, and references that are clearly like hand chiseled into there. I'm gonna need you to explain a few of them to me that, because there were moments where I was like. What? I'm sure I can explain all of them. I'm sure. But they, they, there were moments where people were howling with laughter around me, where I was just sitting there being like, I understood that reference and that is not funny. That was not meant to be a joke. <laughs> like, you're just laughing because a character you're familiar with is on screen. Sure. And I thought it would be fun to be in that environment, and it just wasn't. Wow. And, this is morbid. And... You did not tell me any of these feelings. I know. I, I It's been, You've been saving four months. Yeah, it's been about four months. We haven't discussed months. it at all. Um... Yeah. I think it definitely lessened my experience of the movie. Wow. Um, Just being surrounded by complete shills. Yeah, exactly. It's like, like if there I was no seen... way to get a, a gauge of if the movie was actually good or not. And you know, when right. you're surrounded by people who are howling with laughter, you're sitting there being like, am, mm. did I miss something? Like, am I too cynical now? Yes, like, definitely, yes. was that just like, am I crazy? Like, that wasn't funny, right? Like, there were moments where I was turning to Cat and being like, that wasn't funny, right? <laughs> you need like verification yeah from and she's like i don't understand why everyone's laughing <laughs> um, um the, and uh you, you saw it it was you cat and noah correct and neef and neef yeah oh well, that's a big crew yeah yeah we, we went we went squad deep and there were a handful of people there who were wearing like face masks because they were afraid of getting some sort of disease or something it was just like all, all the, the way back then yeah it was all the worst type of people what and the the, the Q&A session, which, like, if you've ever been to a Kevin Smith Q&A session or, first of all, or watched one... was the first one, time you met Jay Muse, or had you met Jay Muse no, before? No, no. I have Jay Muse's signature on my copy of Jay and Son of Bob Dude Degrassi. <laughs> for sure thought you were saying cock for a second there. <laughs> for sure. No. Uh, <clears throat> sorry. No, I, I first I first met Jay Muse as a, as a spry boy of 15 mm-hmm. at the Jay and Son of Bob Dude Degrassi event. So by then he was, what, 50? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That that dude, that dude's age curve is like it's like literally watching our stock market crash. Uh, um, any other notes about the live experience you want to share? Yeah, so Did you get to ask a question this time. No, I, I this time I know I know by now as as the years have gone on, his Q and A's have become less Q and A's, more just excuses for him to do stand up. 
he had about an hour to Let's do the Q&A. Let's use the word stand-up extremely lightly. Yeah, okay? right. So like, It's more like creative, funny storytelling while Shill's laughing. Yeah, so he, there, he had an hour and like ten minutes that he spoke. Three questions were asked. One, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. While there were two lines that, that were like 30 podcast, people you know deep. I mean? Yeah. Um, one <laughs> of those questions was literally a guy dressed as Silent Bob Oof. being like, Hey, I've been cosplaying as Silent Bob since 1996. I've met you a hundred times. And he's like, yeah, I know who you are. And he's like, can I, and he's like, can I have a hug? So why do they give that guy the question? They, they don't know what the question, they're not pre-screened. It's oh. just whoever gets to the microphone first. Mm. And then there, then there was a question. Oh no, sorry. That guy's question, th- it ended up being a uh, stage. He was going on stage to propose to his now wife. Oh, wait, uh, did that happen? Yeah, that happened. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah, that's nice. Thing. Yeah. Um, that, that makes me feel something in my body somewhere. And was that, Kevin Smith just like weeping like a bitch the whole time when that was happening? He's like, oh man, you guys are just the best. Thanks no, for coming out he, getting he, married on the stage, man. He, kind of. He has like, right since, since, since he's like skinny now, he has like a lot of energy on stage and it's freaking me out. Um, but it, it was funny. He, he had a lot of jokes that landed. He told a really funny story about like people, like fans, try, or not fans, like people trying to stalk him in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh the night before because mm-hmm. they were like trying to get him to sign a bunch of swag to fucking sell on eBay or whatever. Mm. And like these people like chase him down to his hotel and shit. So I don't know. It was good. It was, it was a quality event. Like overall it was, it was arguably worth the price of the ticket. Did you walk out of the theater after it was over and hear a single person go like, fuck that movie is terrible? No. Not one. So everybody left happy. No, ever. I walked out of that theater and watched people sprint to the merch table to buy Jane Silent Bob <laughs> reboot merchandise. Oh my god! So I've seen it now, and, and you, you correct me if I'm wrong. Kevin Smith, I the, the latest vlog update I saw from him was that he's now gone and done this Q and A event and watched this movie seventy plus times. Yes. God bless him. And he came out. And if was, he didn't die from the heart attack, he's going to give himself a fucking another one, yeah. that's for sure. He came out and was like, it's just been so rewarding to come out every night and sit in the theater with you guys and just listen to everyone laugh at, at every joke. And I'm just like, that's not how you get an objective fucking opinion on your movie, right. Kevin. Sure. Like, well, the amazing thing is, this whole reboot, reboot roadshow thing is really him circumventing having been told that he's terrible. I mean, really, he's gone... He skipped the critical aspect of it, skipped the filmmaker aspect of it, and is delivering shit directly to his fans, sometimes like hand-to-hand contact. Like, he's probably literally handing out the movie to people in public, and that's, um, it's admirable. He did the same thing for Red State, though, and Red State was a quality movie. Didn't didn't he do a little bit, I think he did a little bit of that with Yoga Hosers, too. They did a couple, like, live situations with Yoga Hosers. I don't recall. I remember at my, like, Yoga Hosers, they, like, he announced that it was becoming a thing, I thought the plot of it sounded stupid. I thought the idea of watching a movie with a bunch of teen girls, one of which was his daughter, was stupid, so I didn't follow what was going on. And sure enough, it was stupid. Um, <laughs> was his daughter there? <laughs> was his daughter at the, at the thing? Yeah, never mind. I actually know the answer. Yeah, she, she was not. <laughs> I had her GPS coordinates for that yeah. night. It was nowhere near. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but you know it was, a, it was it, at the end of the day like it was cool you know we live in a city it was cool taking a train over to see yeah. like the you know i'm sure jane silent bob strike back was a pivotal pivotal moment in like the evolution of my humor right i mean again 
to remind people from the last episode about Kevin Smith um, that Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back was the first rated R movie I ever saw in theaters. So I do have a special kinship with that movie where even if it was a bad movie, there's no way that I would ever know that. Yeah, but it's, it's, and also it's not, it's a hilarious movie. Yeah. It's, it's it, it executes it's what it's trying to do perfectly, which is be a live action cartoon of right. just nothing but self-referential chaos that since that movie has come out has been done to fucking death. Sure. That, like, there was there was no way, shape, or form that they were going to make another Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back that was going to, like, cast capture the same magic in a bottle that that movie did. Right. Like, that is a very sure. 2001 movie. Sure. Like, that movie is not going to work the same way in 2020, even if it is being made by the people who made Power Rangers. And yet... A lot of this film is a akin to a Roadrunner cartoon. Like, oh, yeah. The music is every bit as awful as the first movie. It's literally... It's the same, it's like it's stock, the same exact music, pretty it's much. It's stock Looney Tunes music. Yeah. It's like when uh, Wile E. Coyote is hunting the Roadrunner, and it's like... Bloom, bloom. Bloom, 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 bloom. Yeah. But, like, for two hours. Yeah. Um, that and mixed with, like, Pearl Jam songs, uh, extremely dated, like, uh, like 90s, like era grunge crap which I didn't expect it in this one yeah. obviously in the last one it made a lot of sense but there's a few musical cues in this one where I was like god oh, damn that's Kev. like a Kevin Smith signature is like putting a soul asylum song in every <laughs> <Shit> movie <music. laughs> yeah. um, alright so uh, let's let's move on to kind of like um, a spoiler free look at reboot um, as a film itself um and it's kind of comparison to Yoga Hosers. It's comparison to the rest, the, the rest of the View Askew universe. Did I say that right? Yeah. Why do we have um, to do spoiler free? Who cares? Well, I don't know. I'm assuming it's not like it's fucking Star Wars. I'm like. assuming not everybody has been given everything from this movie because it's almost impossible. Not everyone's to been so blessed as, no. to, as to have watched. <laughs> not everyone's blessed to have paid 120 dollars to see Kevin Smith endorse his film live, uh, like you. But um, uh, I mean, yeah. I, look, listen. Uh, there's not going to be spoilers in this. You, if you've seen Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, you know the plot and beats and three-act structure of this film as well. Jay and Silent and, Bob... And cameos. Jay and Silent Bob... Yeah, almost to a T. Jay and Silent Bob realize something's going on with the movie being made about them. Second act is they have a large road trip. Third act is they arrive in Hollywood and try to stop the movie. Yeah. That's the essential. I don't crux see a of world where I make it through this podcast without spoiling anything about this movie. No, you can spoil it. I mean, okay. just uh, you know, whatever. It's not like I'm gonna like go into it scene by scene like Golden Gun. But no, no, there, we're not gonna do that. There are specific. Other than what I just said, like, the three act structure is the same. As especially Jay's when we're giving our ratings, there are very specific things that I think if I removed or added them to the movie or it changed these specific things would completely change the outcome and success of this movie. Right. So those are going to need to be addressed. Um. Here's how I want to start talking about this movie. Okay. Um, by first offering up my initial thoughts of it, uh, in terms of what I expected to feel from this movie and what I actually got. Um, obviously, I hated Yoga Hosers. I, I really dislike a lot of Kevin Smith's filmography in general and tried to kind of circle back around I, as I was texting you over the past couple weeks about this episode I was saying I wanted to go and revisit some of his quote-unquote best work that I didn't exactly remember and blah 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 I went and I rewatched uh Chasing Amy and really just did not like it and I'm going to talk about that 
at some point here, but only uh, to show that I think I was wrong in, in about Kevin Smith a little bit when I came to criticizing him about that movie. Um, but my feelings on this one were I was pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed it. I did not think that I was going to feel anything emotionally from especially Harley Quinn Smith or Jay Muse as actors because neither of them have ever shown that they have the range to do anything emotive whatsoever. Um, so for there to be scenes in this movie uh, where Jay Muse is getting pegged up the ass and then followed by scenes in this movie where Jay Muse is actually having a kind of touching uh, conversation with his daughter, I'm not going to lie, I actually welled up. I didn't cry, but I I, I felt the pre-wellings yeah. of the glaze, the there sheen were, went across my eyeballs. There were um, some Clerks 2-esque heartfelt moments. Yes, uh, and I didn't feel like they were forced. I felt like they were well done. So in that sense, I would say that this movie was successful maybe even more than Jay and Silent Bob on a scale of an actual movie. Um, Jane Bi- Silent Bob Strike Back is a cartoon, as you mentioned before, and it's one of the best cartoons ever made. Um, you will not make a movie funnier than that. This movie, I thought, was not as funny right. as that movie. I laughed out loud, audibly in this movie, less than ten times. Guaranteed. I yeah. laughed. Most of the laughs were like, <laughs> Yeah. One of them was like, <laughs> And a lot of my laughs were like, oh wow, that was a really deep Kevin Smith reference. Yeah, I mean, there was like laughs of recognition. Yeah. Um, a lot of the humor in it for me and a lot of the things that worked and honestly Kevin Smith did some things in this movie that honestly surprised me and I found to be like devilishly creative at times like the meta humor of this movie right it starts out being terrible and stupid yes and and like very early on the um, the intro scene is Horrible. Very early on, uh, Jason Lee says the word mall rats, yes. right? And they do a gag on the word mall rats. And when he said it, I felt the fucking life drain out of my body. Yeah. Like a fucking vampire. Especially, especially with what the payoff to that joke ended up being. But here's the thing. I like the payoff to that joke because they kind of turn it around. And multiple times in this movie, um, Kevin Smith was getting so fucking meta that... He actually turned things around on me that I was prepared to use against him. For example, right? When I watched Chasing Amy, I was getting furious. And and by the way, I expected to hate this movie today. I expected to hate Reboot. Um, There's nothing going for it that I was interested in at all. Um, so I watched Chasing Amy because that's his best work or whatever from a certain period of time. Not his best, but a good one. Um... And I was, like, violently upset with it. This was my reaction to Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy's opening is an embarrassing mess. So this black guy planned to scare everyone out of a Comic-Con with a gun is a joke. The audio mixing is on par with a college snuff film. Every single character in Kevin Smith's movies sound exactly like fucking Kevin Smith. His dialogue is like if Quentin Tarantino had a traumatic brain injury and never got laid. You could say Kevin Smith brought conversations about nerdy topics like Star Wars or comics into the limelight, but what were once acute observations have now become topics discussed by nerds for eons, making Smith's classic deep dives seem like the kind of amateurish observations you'd find on a mediocre subreddit. Smith's pandering deconstruction of lesbianism is woefully dated as it is moderately offensive, Offering a narrative that seeks to undermine homosexuality as if it were being interpreted by an obese man paid by Harvey Weinstein to make movies in George. Now, here's the thing, though. Yeah, that was in 1996, in, though. <laughs> but in Reboot, when the characters from Chasing Amy show up, yes. 
uh, Lori Petty, is that her? Is that the actress? Who plays Joey uh, Lauren Adams? Joey Lauren Adams. She has this whole speech that is fucking, like, word for word mm-hmm. what I just said to you. Yes. And as I'm watching, I'm looking at my notes, and I'm, again, the whole movie, I'm fighting this fight of, all right, how am I going to get on top of this movie and tell it to fuck itself? And over and over again, it kept being like, yeah. We're a step ahead of you with the yeah, humor here, yeah. man. And like Kevin he, Smith. He knew for once, in all the ways that I hated Yoga Hosers for being deferential, yes. he knew exactly what he was doing in this one. Yes. And like, dude, the first like 10 minutes of this movie, I was like, this is going to be fucked with the Kevin Smith jokes. Like, this is going to be way over the top with how they shoehorn them in. Right. And a lot of them I do still feel were shoehorned in, but a lot of them, I was like, oh, he fucking gets it. I was like, he actually realized it. it. Like, he has analyzed his career to make this movie. I am very into a concept in any movie, of any genre, where you have this, like, prescience. And the people who made, like, Going the Distance from last season, that's an example of prescience over not, not having a higher intellect. You know what I mean? Like, when you watch Going the Distance, you know that somebody who is smart enough to be sardonic, to be nihilistic in ways, is writing the material. Yes. Kevin Smith started that way. And and, and that's how you got into him. And that's how everybody, I think, in the 90s got into him. They're like, this guy's thinking things that me and my friends say that I don't see represented in film. Right. And then for a long time, he let Hollywood really just fuck him over and twist his... smooth the corners out. And then he honestly bent over and said... I, if I can't make my own movies right, I'll make other people's movies and just make money and yeah. failed at that. Right. Then he went back to trying to make his own movies and failed at that well, again. Well, he made Tusk. And well, Tusk is incredible. I'm talking about Yoga Hosers, okay. mostly. It's yeah. it's hard to talk about Tusk and that stuff because you have to almost divorce that from... There was a hilarious Tusk joke in this movie, too. Yes, there was. <laughs> there was a very good Tusk joke. And, and I just thought that this time you could really feel that he had thought about certain things. For example, Kevin Smith shows up in this movie as himself. As the director of the reboot now, and my absolute—it's my absolute favorite part of the movie—is how he portrayed himself. Yes, absolutely, movie. it is hysterical, dude. The first time where it cuts to him in the screen, where Brody is showing them who Kevin Smith is, he's like, "Hey, kids!" Yeah. <laughs> and the fucking boom he's mic like, keeps coming, and the and yeah, the boom mic is coming down. Yeah. It's, dude, it is um, hysterical. He he turned pretty much everything, every element that was brought into the movie, whether it's his daughter, whether it was. Um, you know, Shannon Elizabeth's character, everything he brought in where I would kind of roll my eyes, he had something to say about it. Let's look at Star Wars, for example, right? I think a lot of the reactions uh, in this dude, movie... The Force Awakens joke. Yeah, a lot, a, a lot of the responses in this movie, I think, are based out of the world that we live in with Star Wars being rebooted and things like that, and especially Force Awakens, because I think that was a big movie for Kevin in terms of seeing how people in this day and age were using nostalgia. And in this movie, he does the same thing, where it's like Force Awakens, where he's bringing in things that very well might be stilted on their own, but whereas the Star Wars movies even can't always link in these things in a meaningful way, more than just, oh, look at that. This movie did it in a meaningful way, almost always. There were a few times where it was like, walk into a room and here's the cast of Clerks, where that is like literally copy and pasting levels of ridiculous nostalgia. But then there were very meaningful, very well thought out, funny things like like uh, Ben Affleck's appearance in the movie started from a really shallow, stupid place. And by the end of his scene in it, I was like, this is one of the best scenes Smith has written in yeah. decades. And and, and he, it's a cameo. He talked about that. Someone asked him one of the, the only good question at the Q&A was about that scene because it was a whole big deal that 
Ben Affleck was kind of thrown in at like the last, literally the last day of shooting, because like their friendship well, rekindled. Yeah, I mean, like dude, Smith literally. Can we talk about the most egregious one though? What, what like the Matt Damon appearance? Yes, was I that, literally like a commercial yes, in the middle of the that movie. That is, I did not understand the what. single worst shoot. When I'm talking about shoehorned in jokes, that is hands down the most egregious one. This is a foot sliding down the black smooth face of a shoehorn yeah. into a loafer yeah. it is the most shoehorned it's literally you're watching the movie the plot is unfurling and then all of a sudden you're looking at matt damon in a church and he gives a speech about dogma yeah and like he's like he's like hey it's me loki remember from dogma but but then he goes on to just literally kind of explain the plot of dogma and then kind of explain where he's at and then he disappeared well, his argument, the whole, the whole point of that joke was that people always ask him what happens to him at the end of Dogma, whether he went to hell, and then he goes oh, and explains. See, I, I don't know that. I don't know oh, that check people. Out. So what he was explaining, yeah. what happens to him after, was the implication is that Dogma is a prequel to the Born Identity. That was the whole point of what? that joke. Yeah. So he goes, <laughs> I could not follow he, that he goes, at all. He goes, people are always asking what happened to me. Did you go to hell? No, uh, God sent me back to Amer- back to Earth. Luckily, not to Wisconsin this time. Um, so I was floating in the ocean and got picked up by these fishermen. Like, which is the first that's the beginning of the that's born. the first scene of the born identity. Dude, I couldn't. And follow. He, so he goes, he goes. <laughs> I, I guess follow. you could say I was born again, and then cut, yeah. and then back to the movie, right? And I've never seen something so out of place in a movie right. in my life because all of a sudden my brain starts turning I'm like okay wait Matt Damon's now in this movie right. and is an angel and is uh, uh, maybe teeing up the plot of things to come yeah. here what is no, going it on it was just an excuse to you could tell that Kevin had this idea that like what if Dogma was a prequel it's like the same thing as like the idea that uh, Breaking Bad is really um, like a prequel to Malcolm in the Middle yeah, yeah, it's, sure. So he was he, Kevin Smith was like, "What if Dogma was a prequel to The Born Identity?" There's no way that I can possibly fit the character of Loki into this movie. So let me just have like a, him pop in for a second in a church and just explain things. And then for the following scene, Matt Damon <laughs> continues to be the narrator. Yeah, and then, and right. Then he just disappears. And then he disappears. Yeah, dude, it was upsetting. Yeah, because all of a sudden, but, but that concept, that Born Identity joke, lands super hard. It just has no place in the movie. It lands super hard, but only to some... And this is the, the litmus test to yeah. show you. Only to someone who knows Dogma well enough that that... Because I was lost. I mean, I knew he was Loki in Dogma. I knew he was the angel. But when he started talking about, like, Wisconsin and the boat and this and that, yeah. I was like, what What are we What? What are we talking about? And then... Well, he really leans into the joke where I guess you could say I was born again. I did not... I was still thinking of dogma. Yeah. I was still thinking like religious concepts. Yeah. I, my brain was not doing the everyone in the gymnastics. theater picked it up right away. As oh, soon as soon as he said picked up by fishermen, everyone started howling. Oh, you mean everyone at the Kevin Smith yeah. jerk off competition <laughs> right, right. understood a Kevin Smith joke. Wow, what a fucking shock that must yeah. have been to your system. Um <laughs> uh, some of the things I did like in the movie, my favorite callback cameo scene moment, humanly imaginable, where I stood up by myself and was like Yes! Was just Shan Elizabeth, period. Just her showing up, like, when he looks at the TV and he's like, yeah. boo-boo, kitty fuck! Yeah. And then they cut to his his fantasy of what's going yeah. on with the two of them. Yeah. Is her fucking butt-fucking him yeah. from behind? I cracked up. Yeah. I just, in that my notes, really I just fun. have, fuck yeah, Shan Elizabeth, fuck yeah, oh my god, yes! Yeah. <laughs> what, I, what I didn't like about, and what I didn't like about 
and there was an under reoccurring theme of the movie is when they introduced these previous characters, they fort at the expense of the dialogue seeming natural. He forced the dialogue to be exactly the same as in Strike Back. So like right. Shannon Elizabeth's dialogue while while in the scene where she's she's explaining spoiler about the existence of Jay's daughter. <gasps> um fucking every line that she's saying is a line that she said in the previous movie like the way she responds like oh you big goof like mm. it's just like things that don't fit it's just like to show like hey it's the same character remember they We're speak exactly the same as they did 20 years ago but then you have moments and the movie was unfortunately full of these as well where to a casual kevin smith viewer you really drop the ball a few times in terms of like okay a minute later in that scene rosario dawson shows up right and is like okay i am shan elizabeth's gay partner right i don't know if they were married wife Their, whatever wife yes but she is not playing not playing the same character she was in clerks too which was very confusing i mean kevin smith's wife also plays the manager of a movies that's fine where she does she does not play nepotism is fine in that sense because anyone who's directly related to kevin smith fine let's do yeah. it but this would be like if you had jason lee show up as like a mormon and just be mm-hmm. like or a scientologist which he is in real life um, if you just had him show up, like, selling Bibles, you'd be like, why is he now what? Yeah, a different character. It's almost as if Kevin Smith is saying, like, well, <laughs> well, this isn't a classic character anyway, which I thought was, like, kind of weird and disrespectful to Rosario, who did a damn good job in Clerks too. Oh, I yeah. thought was a very compelling character, and I don't know why they needed to do that with her. It was very strange. Yeah. There's, um, there's something I want to go back to, though, because you were talking about the scene with Jason Lee. Yeah. Which... One of my absolute favorite subtle gags in the entire movie mm-hmm. is, did you notice his what his t-shirt was? Brody's t-shirt? No. There's, there's a lot of plays in this movie on characters' previous outfits from previous movies. And if you remember in Mallrats, Brody has this signature t-shirt. Isn't it the black guy with the afro? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But like, in reality... I'm rea- glad it turned out to be that, by the way, because I would just sound like a yeah. weird racist. Yeah. If- but it's just like a distorted image, whatever. So in this movie... It, on first glance, it's the same exact t-shirt, but it's actually, if you look closely, it's Stan Lee's face distorted into the same shape, and I was loving that. <laughs> That's cool, I guess. Oh, and and, the, and his fucking joke about jerking off to the Marvel movies was hysterical in that scene. Yes. Yeah, I mean, um, I thought I thought he was good in it. Um, uh... Uh, one other joke that I think was hilarious and landed to probably... 10 people who watch this movie Mm -hmm. so throughout the whole thing there's a general idea where jay and silent bob aren't allowed to use their names anymore we won't get into why it's a scene a scene in which they bring back my favorite character oh yeah also this movie totally breaks the rules of what exists within the viewers universe and what doesn't because justin long's character from zach and mary is there but zach and mary does not exist in that universe so that was weird he was also in yoga hosers was he not as a totally different character Oh yeah, as the yogi. Yeah, but wasn't wasn't that uh, Randy St. Clair or whatever? Wasn't yeah. he in a second movie? No, no, no. Well, I guess I remember. While that. simultaneously, Craig Robinson comes into that same scene, yeah, same scene, playing a different Zach character. And Mary. Yeah, yeah. They did this honestly no less than a hundred times. Right. I'm going to tell you the most puzzling one that I've been trying to work out now for weeks. Okay. Now I really hope that I didn't just not know about something in the fucking gay Kevin Smith world and you know it and it's going to derail this whole thing. But when you meet Harley Quinn Smith's character, you get a shot of her bedroom. Do you notice the poster on the wall in her bedroom? No. Okay. So the poster on her wall was her movie called Bussing. Oh, yeah. Familiar? Yes. 
Okay, is that something I should know about? Because I'm pretty sure from what I was seeing that it was an alternate universe Kevin Smith movie. Okay, so follow me for a second, yeah. right? In in the Jay and Silent Bob reboot world where Kevin Smith is a director, although he did not direct, you know, Chasing Amy, certain things he did not direct. Yeah. It's to be assumed that maybe he his breakout role in this fictional universe is a movie called Bussin' instead of Clerks. Um, it's the Clerks poster with instead of whatever's on the clerks, clerks poster, it's like waiter stuff and like a cup of coffee yeah. and this and this and that, um, which that's fine. I found found that fascinating and wanted them to even start making more jokes about alternate universe Kevin Smith films. But then later in the movie, it doubles back around on itself. And then you see the cast of Clerks. Yeah. You see that Clerks was a movie. So then the idea that Kevin Smith created this movie called Bussing doesn't make sense. It's almost as if some of these things, Kevin came up with a good idea and was like, ooh, fun little meta, da-doing, da-doing. And then threw yeah. it in and was like, oh, I cannot back so that up with there's that. no reason for you to get that joke. I barely, like, so I oh, didn't, so there is an I didn't notice, yeah, I didn't notice it last, last night, but I remember noticing it in the theater. And I don't even recall the exact details, but I do have vague recollections where I believe, I could be totally making this up, but I believe there was an idea that back in the 90s, in the late 90s, 90s Kevin had written a script called Bussing that he was planning on it being like a type of like Clerks, spiritual. Yeah, yeah. And, and, then, and then Waiting came out, so he just scrapped the whole uh, idea. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, that is interesting, but then why would a poster exist to an unproduced movie? Because fuck it. Cool. Yeah. But um, no, so what, what I was saying, the re- the reference that I, I found hysterical, uh, or not even hysterical, but like that's a joke. I love when there's just a joke that's meant for like three people. Yeah. So the whole time the fake identity Jay is using is Ted Underhill the whole time. Yes. Which is so Ted Underhill is. Wait, wait. What was Ted Underhill? Was that not the name that they used in Zack and Mary Make a Porno as one of the porno actors? No. No. no um, so it's in the movie Fletch, which Heavy Chase from the 80s. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. There's like a whole running gag of just uh, like he, Chevy Chase basically takes on the identity of Ted Underhill at a country club and it's just every time he buys something expensive, he's like, oh, just charge it to the Underhills. And that's like the running mm. theme of the joke. And then Kevin Smith about 450 like, years l- later. Like in like 2000 and like six had written the script, had been commissioned to write the script for uh, Fletch, Fletch lives One. Again, again. Yeah, Fletch Lives Again, Again. Fletch I, it, year it, it, one. Was, it was supposed to be, it was Fletch One. Fletch like, Begins. A prequel to Fletch starring Jason Lee. As, as Chevy Chase. As Chevy Chase, oy, yeah. Oy, and that movie, that movie got stuck in development hell. And Thank it was based God. on the, in an actual book, because Fletch, all the Fletch movies are they based on They converted that movie into Chipmunks the Cheat, the Yeah, sequel. the Squeakquel, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so them just doing that the whole time where it's like such a specific reference i'm like oh fletch reference i'm like oh wait a second kevin smith was for years had announced after after jersey girl the next movie he was supposed to make was supposed to be fletch one Hmm. that's a 20 year old reference for 11 people even the explanation of that made me feel clued out yeah i I thought it was hilarious fletch Um, is also my favorite 80s comedy of all time fletch cast yeah the sequel to Mash I, Cast. I love Fletch. <laughs> Hysterical. I haven't seen it since I was a little kid. Dude, it's so funny. And the sequel. I just like feel like at this point, anytime I would go to rewatch Chevy Chase and anything, I would just be thinking about how much of a fucking asshole he is. I Well, that makes Fletch even funnier, honestly, because his character is a total fucking asshole. Fair enough. Like, he's the worst. <laughs> Sounds realistic. Especially in the second one. He's a real piece of shit. Um, so the KKK was in this movie. Yeah, they were. Not really sure why. Oh, this is KKK round them up music. Come on now! <laughs> gonna go burn some crosses um so basically the kkk shows up uh and runs around 
uh, doing KKK things for like 15 minutes to, to this music. Uh, <laughs> that was, I don't know what to think about your usage of that there, bud. <laughs> I liked it a lot, though. <laughs> um, uh, I, don't, I don't know why uh, the KKK was in this movie. It was almost as if, like, uh, Kevin Smith had watched um, Django, like, Django for 15 minutes before he started shooting. It was like, the KKK, that can be funny. <laughs> and it was not. I did not, I did not know what was going on no. at that point in the movie. I didn't know what we were doing. At that point, the, the focus of the movie had shifted to the three young girls who... Blech. And that was the token required scene of Silent Bob talking, which like which was terrible. It was so weird because it was weird. It two didn't scenes sense. earlier, Kevin Smith was talking. Playing a Kevin lot. Smith talking yeah. was a thing. But the thing with Kevin Smith talking as Silent uh, as Silent Bob in these movies is it's always very poignant. And yeah, interesting. he's supposed to be like not the guidance one. moment. Yeah, it was like, not in this one. It was like him trying to distract the KKK <laughs> yeah. by like just saying bizarre things, and yeah. it just wasn't funny. And it just like. It felt like they had wasted a great opportunity yeah. for Silent Bob to have one more. Really I, I felt like movie. it was like he was watching um, Oh Brother Where Art Thou right before the movie. Yeah, it, was some, it, it just, shot just like the KKK scenes in like that. What was going on? Yeah, there. that's an unnecessary scene. Um, uh, another thing in this movie that made me laugh. This is like a classic movie blues element, which is just like somebody who's like having a really hard life being shoved into a movie for us to laugh at. <laughs> um, Val Kilmer has kind of become the yeah. like, weekend at Bernie's dead body that you drag into your movie. <laughs> um, since his throat cancer surgery, he can't speak anymore. And his voice actually sounds a lot like this. Yeah. And so they can't really put him in movies anymore. He was in a movie I saw called The Snowman, which, God, I wish I could, we could do on this podcast. It's got to be one of the worst movies I ever made. But they put him in it. And he plays this detective, and they have him overdub the entire time with a voice that literally could not match him any less. Wow. It's like a 55-year-old black man talking out of Val <laughs> uh, So Val Kilmer is kind of just a prop that people put in their movies now yeah. to say, like, there's Val Kilmer. In this movie, he was playing Silent Bob, which hilarious yeah. way to get him to not talk. Yeah. But at the same time, looking at him like, oh, man, yeah. poor Val Kilmer. Oh, God, he looks so bad. He, he looks worse than Kevin Smith. Yeah. The guy oh, yeah. who played... Jim Morrison, yeah. sex god yeah. of the universe, or Batman, great lizard of the sky, yeah, is uglier than Kevin Smith. There, there was, um, there was. He's a, really going full Brandon. A joke in this movie that I thought that I thought was um, right up your alley. It was He's chasing the Brando. The, the way they were really harping on how these reboots are really just like an excuse to make the same movie, but with more diversity. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, well, well, if not for the movie's awareness of that being funny, it would have gotten to me eventually but i didn't like the three the culturally girls. diverse characters they brought into it a deaf girl a muslim girl harley quinn smith with a muslim girl is. who they then proceed to name jihad yeah her oh name God. in the movie is jihad there were some puzzling uh things that i just decided they're to all talking about on. how they had hard childhoods and whatever and her, the muslim girl story is basically that a man once accidentally brazed against her nipple and her brother like cut his head off and she got banished to america <laughs> Really, and I was like, I was like, holy really shit! That's, that's and also that's like the whole plot of the movie revolves around Harley Quinn Smith and her friends going to um, Jay and Silent Bob's Chronic Con because their Asian friend who doesn't really speak much English is obsessed with Jay and Silent Bob, or Cro Blunt Man and Chronic more accurately, and wants she, to go see them. And blah, blah, blah. Blunt Man, and yet, I love Blunt Man. Like, I love a Blunt Man. Um, <laughs> Let's, let's not do that again. Um, 
<laughs> um, and uh, so the thing that didn't make any sense about that was just like that all of her friends were supporting her obsession with Bluntman and Chronic, and yet when they arrived at Chronicon, none of her friends knew that that's what Jay and Silent right. Bob were. Right. They'd been traveling with Jay and Silent Bob the whole time. To go, first of all, if you're going to go across the country to go to a con with one of your friends, literally risk your entire life in many ways to do that, pretty sure you would have an yeah. idea of what you were going to go and for. And by risk your life, me, including the fact that there's a subplot where Kevin Smith's daughter takes nude photos of herself to upload to a pedophile website to get picked up by a pedophile in order to hijack his van. That's what she did to go to a con that she did not know the topic of. Right. So what would she do for a Klondike bar? <laughs> Um, do you think it's morally reprehensible to write, uh, dialogue lines for your daughter about butt plugs and dildos yeah, and, and, and rimming and, and sucking, uh, Thor's dick? Sucking Liam Hemsworth's cock. <laughs> she and... said she would fuck him until she was Thor. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Like Kevin Smith wrote that I know. for his daughter. I know. And then directed her and daughter. And then to... sat next yeah, to her right. in many cases while she said those right. things. And I, you'd think I was having the time of my life with these things was feeling like i needed to defend her honor almost yeah he was like perfect it felt abusive and this leads me to my grand theory about not only jay and silent bob reboot but the current state of kevin smith's family (laughs) uh, his daughter and jay muse and that is this my friend that harley quinn smith is jason muse's daughter and when he had her he couldn't take care of her and he banged Kevin Smith's wife, and that girl looks more like him than she does like Kevin Smith. That's the end of the pod, my friend. I'm uh, I'm not participating in that. <laughs> I'm not participating in that. J- Jason you know, Mewes' daughter was in this movie, though. The, yeah, she was. But the whole movie, they're like, um, I'm thinking, how is this relationship so genuine between Jay and Harley Quinn Smith? And she's working up tears, and he's working up tears. And I was like, these two people can't act their way out of a fucking condom. So how is it that they're doing this right now? And it's because they're real father and daughter. That is I don't know. Have you ever seen Jason Mewes' performance in uh, Bottles Up, I think it's called? There's was a... it memorable enough for you no, to even know the no. title of the there, movie? There, so... there is a movie that exists in the universe that we probably should watch I this pod. I think I've seen a movie where he just is a character. He's a, he's a bartender. It's a it's a Jason Mewes Paris Hilton joint. Ay, ay, ay. About bartenders. Mm, this sounds good. It's not. No? No. This sounds like good for us. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, pretty much uh, my thoughts on the movie are it made me uncomfortable. It made me laugh. Not very much, but I did enjoy it, and I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Um, my final Golden Gun rating, first of all, I asked you to predict what my rating would be, yeah. which I, I think is a fun yeah. activity. Um you said that I was going to give it a 6.7. Yeah. I'm, in fact, going to give it a 6.7. <laughs> I had a 6.75, but when you said 0. .7, I was like, he's on to something. <laughs> Why not give him exact his exact prediction? So Let's I'm, go. I'm going to go with 6.7. I enjoyed this movie. I liked it. I thought it redeemed Yoga Hosers. I think that Kevin Smith should never make a movie again. I think that this was all the rest of his jokes. I think that Mallrats 2 or Clerks 3 is unnecessary. He said everything I want him to say in this movie. I would love it if he gracefully backed away and directed Supergirl episodes for the rest of his life. Because I think that he's going to have a lot of trouble 
Uh, this is kind of like when you have a huge boner and like you're getting some action, but then it like goes down a little bit. The huge boner being like, let's say Clerks 2 uh, was a huge boner for him. And then his dick kind of went a little soft, a little soft, and then, oh, playing with it again. And he got hard again, but he didn't get as hard as he did in Clerks 2. And I can't imagine with this mix of meta humor, emotional stuff about growing up, and the original plot of his movie redone, that he could do this again, 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 again. I would hope not. I hope this is the last episode we ever do about Kevin well, Smith. Well, his ne- next year, Clerks 3 is coming out. So. I hope that I'm dead before I ever see that. Because well, it's not necessary. Those who have... Every Kevin Smith movie was sequelized and finished in this movie. Pretty much. Not Clerks, but almost everything else was given a nice little neat bow. Chasing Amy, check that off the list. And, you know, Jay and Silent Bob as characters and an IP. I can't imagine you want to do yeah, anything with more of those. Particularly because of what Jay's face just looks like now. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Harrowing. Um, uh, I, I actually I wanted to read to you because it, it didn't happen. I uh, I wrote a note to myself okay. um, that I was hoping would I would get to play out here, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to read it anyway. So mm-hmm. on January 21st at 2 p.m., I then ended up predicting that within 10 minutes of discussing Jay and Silent Bob reboot on the podcast, Dan Lyons will describe Jay as some sort of post-op tranny. <laughs> <laughs> well, my friend, I have a very special gift for you today, and that gift is. Uh, I have cur- I have um, curated a segment of deep thoughts. Um, <laughs> my deep thought segment today is mostly about the physical appearances of <laughs> Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith. So, without further ado, I am going to launch into my deep thoughts. Do you want music? On Jay and Silent Bob. No, 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 I don't. I don't. I think I'm probably going to do, like, same music as last time. And then when I start talking about Harley Quinn, I'm going to have, like, REO Speedwagon come in. Okay. Keep on learning things like that. I I knew you were going to do this. I downloaded the Incredible Hulk music. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the piano thing at the end, like, the credits? Oh, wait, no, not this one. The piano thing in the credits as he's, like, walking away? I, I, I... Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> I'll superimpose that. Yeah. But thank you. It's really good. Any editing stuff like that you want to throw in, you just let me know because yeah. that was a great idea. Um. Anyway, <clears throat> these are now my deep thoughts on Jay and Silent Bob. Where once we saw the visage of two young and aspiring men, now Jay and Silent Bob look like the fat and skinny ants from James and the Giant Peach. (laughs) Jason Mewes looks like a college-level lesbian hippie soccer player and sounds like he smoked one cigarette per every time that he's blinked. His voice has the raspy cadence of a tobacco-addled school nurse who spent all night lamenting over her ex-husband's new wife while screaming into a pillow. Kevin Smith looks like the guy with the shrunken head in the waiting room at the end of Beetlejuice. I've simply never seen someone become healthier at the cost of looking like he's perpetually sucking on a lemon. Every time Kevin Smith emphatically says, Hey man! A small star a thousand light years away goes supernova. This is not a cosmic coincidence, yet it is a butterfly effect reaction to such an annoying phrase being uttered into the cosmic void. 
On the other hand, Kevin Smith's wife is traveling on an inverse plane of attraction from her husband. While she, formerly in Playboy magazine, is gradually morphing into a plastic surgery addled skeleton, her husband is looking the best he ever has. This must be the same deep karmic wave that is punishing her for years of thinking that fucking her own husband is akin to charity. Who's the fugly one now, bitch? Well, it's still Kevin, but you look like shit too. Kevin Smith's chin straps once functioned as a way to gracefully blend his neck fat to his double chin. <laughs> Yet now it acts as a razor-sharp lightning bolt affixed to his undercliff of his morose and sunken face. It looks so sharp and so black that it almost appears in the right lighting and in the correct moonlight to be his face's shadow. If you forge Kevin Smith's facial hair from this film into metal pieces based on the exact shape of his chin strap and goatee, you would have a formidable set of deadly weapons that you could easily bring into battle. <laughs> With their long, overly smooth and artificial looking wigs, Jay and Silent Bob look like middle-aged Krungbin fans who came from the sewer. <laughs> Jason Mewes' teeth seem like the kind of old, rickety, wooden falsies oft found rattling in the mouths of Civil War veterans, drunk on moonshine, regaling tales of their long and perilous battles. Jay Mewes and Kevin Smith look like two late-stage faces of meth photos. If their movie career ends with this final film, Jay and Kevin could easily work at a haunted house without any makeup, or potentially pose for the sucked-in faces on the wrappers of Atomic Warheads. My final thoughts ruminate around the now 20 year old sacred flower that is Harley Quinn Smith. What words shall I use to dote upon you, my porcelain queen? <laughs> you, <laughs> you have the sexual dark prowess of a legion of drama kids and the puffy and unspecific nipples of an Elizabethan queen and the thick, milky thighs that only one could inherit from Kevin Smith, who is himself a human marshmallow. Oh, how I long for my lost queen, my theater girl goddess named after a comic book and raised by a buffoon. What words can I offer to soothe you, my muse? What fancies can I grant to win your favor? Nay, I do not possess riches, good looks, youth, or the will to actually take care of you. These are mere facts that could never quell the fire that burns for you in my loins. But what do I possess? I possess the coordinates of your next Comic-Con appearance, access to a blue Chevy 12-passenger van, and roughly a quart of chloroform. You do the math, Harley. No, please, consider professionally doing math, because you obviously cannot have it. And that R is my final ding-dong. What was, what was that voice? Uh, I went from there like a um, voice last time. Oh, no, there was a voice last time. I'm like going harder in on it now. Okay. And I'm heading more towards like... Um, that was a combination of last time's voice mixed with the voice that was the intro to the last dinosaur yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, that's like my theatrical presentation voice. Yeah. Uh, you'll come to that's like you are like the uh, the guy the guy who like introduces the scenes when you watch like a video of a Shakespearean play yes, happen. Yeah. yeah, it's fourteen ninety two in the Abbey. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Lady Elizabeth is asleep for the night. Yes. <laughs> Or is she? <laughs> or is she? Bruh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay. Well, um, uh, just coming around to realizing that you have not given a score yet for this fucking masterwork. Um, how would you rate Jay and Silent Brob Ribroot? Um, 
This is out of 10, by the way. I don't yeah. know if you've done this before with me, but... <laughs> um, so, it was much better on second watch. Hmm. Um, I, all, I enjoyed it all, on the first All watch. month I've been going, I don't really don't want to watch this movie again. I, I, I said I thought you were going to give it a 6.7, because that's basically what I gave it when I left the theater. Hmm. I thought you were going to think that I fucking hated this movie. Yeah, I, I mean... Yeah, but you gave 7. Force Awakens a fucking 7.5. I so, like that movie. Yeah, because you're a fucking lunatic, so I have no idea anymore. <sighs> like, All right, we're not going to argue about Star Wars. I, I promised my mom we weren't going to argue about Star Wars today, okay? So, basically, my, my whole view of this movie is that within this movie is the sequel to Jay and Silent Bob that was deserved, and if he had just fucking reined it in a little bit, like, showed even, like, slight restraint with the fucking Kevin Smith jokes... It could, like, there were a ton of moments that landed and were funny that were just surrounded by, like, real, like, dude, like, the fucking whole thing with, like, who we, who would keep watching a Kevin Smith movie, and then they fucking all look at the camera and do the same thing again as just, like, the last movie, and, like, Jay's giving the finger, the and, dude like... knows his audience. Dude, yeah, but I, it was just... It, I don't feel, and then, like, I don't really the, feel that. I feel like in Yoga Hosers, the, the winking was painful, and in this one... I, I just finally accepted this is what the guy wants to do. He's tried to not do this, and and it's been to mixed results. I, you know, love things like Tusk, but I mean, like, he's not going to... He knows where he's at. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that he's not trying to do something that he can't do. And instead, he leaned into what he knew he was already good at. And honestly, like I was saying before, he created some, like, saw trap levels of meta humor. Yeah. Like, I felt like I was, like, boxed within a joke, within a joke, within a joke yeah. at times. And there were times that the joke would begin, and I would be like, fuck, man, they're going to do this. And then the character would be like, fuck, man, they're going to do this. And I'd be like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> so props to Kevin Smith for that. Yeah. Props to Kevin Smith for not making me want to kill myself. Um, yeah. what, I, I also just... I, the movie just kind of looks like shit, too, which, like... Between Jay and Son Bob and oh, now, oh. he has shown that he knows how to make a movie that looks well, better than this. He's lost all of his money. Yeah. That's enough. a huge part of it. I'm, I'm serious. That even his romantic comedies like Jersey Girl, the production value of a movie like that yeah. was more expensive than this. Yeah, for like, sure. Surely. But I mean, I, had tons I, of I think this is because they spent all of their money on the fucking holograms at Chronicon. Well, then they had the creator of The Walking Dead create a giant iron suit right. for Silent Bob, which. Yeah. If this that is a shit movie, was insane. If this was a movie where you like break down like the real world implications or nature of like the logic of things, you could go on for hours about it. But yeah, he just walks outside and there's a fully functional Iron Man suit just sitting there, and he just hops in it. Yeah, fine, <laughs> right. fine. Not only that, he okay, he walks out of the building. Silent Bob walks out of the building, lights a doobie, looks up next to him at the property next to them. It is a uh, some kind of heavy metal demolition uh, scrapyard, and then on top of the gate, which is 40 feet in the air, there is this Iron Man suit yeah. that looks like it probably weighs roughly 700 yeah, 7, to yeah. 5,000 trillion pounds. Yeah. And in 30 seconds, Silent Bob, off camera, of course, yeah. because there's no way to explain this in reality, fetches that thing from 50 feet in the air, puts it on. It's fully functional and yeah. robotic and electronic, which, if that were the case, why would Rise, it be on yeah, a gate right, of right. a scrapyard? Yeah, whatever. Um, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Suspension of disbelief. I'm not I mean, here to I mean, pick at the, I mean, I mean, at the beginning of the movie, they're in a court scene where Justin Long says, "Hey, I have this this document that says the defendants aren't allowed to use their names anymore." And rather than read the document or submit it or anything, the judge is just like, "Okay, guilty." Yeah. Um. You know, 
It is what it I, is. I want to say, though, um, before I give my score, th- two things that I really like about this movie are Fred Armisen was hilarious. His character is hilarious. Eh. Um, he basically plays I want him the to Car- come back again. He basically plays the Carrie Fisher role in this movie. Yeah. Um, secondly, while they're in the back of his car smoking joints, they pull out a joint that he rolled that is literally like it's like a total play on the pineapple express thing with the cross joint this is a joint that looks like silent bob <laughs> and, and you have to and, like suck his dick to smokes learn. the dick <laughs> hilarious hilarious so, um, so anyway i'm gonna give this movie uh a, 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 like a 7.1 okay where i love i by the way love point one. yeah because that's like it's like such a pathetic gratitude. <laughs> it's such a pathetic like, oh, you got a seven, but like a little baby dick on yeah. the end. This isn't a world you couldn't get it to a point five. This isn't a world years. where Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is a ten. No, and like on the scale of Kevin Smith movies, so this would be a seven point one. Like as a movie itself, this is like six point something well here in the movie blue studio we have a new installation and that is a piece of cardboard i ripped off the back of a poster and shredded together into yeah uh i i put some rows and columns in with electrical tape uh like a serial killer pretty much um with no measuring and and no uh straight edges but dan is right now writing in um the scores uh 6.7 and 7.1 I think added together. What do you think? Should we do average no, or added add, together? Added is fine. Just added and then, us. you know, we'll know yeah. by then. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to keep track of shit this year. We're going to do a little organization. So that um, means we gave Jay and Silent Bob Reboot a 13.7 golden gun. You can tell people that Jay and Silent Bob Reboot was 13.7. 13.7 out of 20. The people will be talking, oh, what did they give it? You know, it's the first episode back from the break. What yeah. they get? They probably hated it. Yeah. And people would be like, 13.7. It's a little something for our peeps. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, we're going to keep track of that. We're going to see which movie this season uh, we rate the highest and obviously the lowest. Um, and we'll see kind of where we disagreed the most and be able to reference things without just kind of having to blankly guess. Um, that being said, I hope that everybody enjoyed uh, this episode. As you can see on your timer, we're uh, hovering in around the one hour mark, which is where we want to be for... That's never happened. Well, you know, this is because we're doing the mini episodes now. However, there will be space for fun stuff uh, at the end of episodes that we can jam in. Um, so uh, stick around and you will hear uh, the first Rachel's Review Corner of the year, uh, which is of the brand new movie, Birds of Play. Birds of Prey. Wow, I fucked it up. Oh. <laughs> wow, she's going to hear me fuck that up, and I'm never going to hear the end of it, because... <laughs> Birds of Prey, or the fantabulous emancipation uh, of one Harley Quinn. Rachel, leave Dan alone. <laughs> Ow! Um, so, uh, yeah, um, we are going to head... We're going to head to... <laughs> Please get it out of your system. We have so many more episodes to tape today. I have so many saved. Just get it out. Okay. All right. Maybe in the break. I'll hear all of them once, you know? (laughs) Finish him. Uh, That was like in reference to me wrapping it up, right? That was in reference to Rachel Rachel kicking her to abusing you. Okay, well, uh, thanks for tuning in to the beginning of Season 2, guys. Uh, So expect um, next week you will be getting a mini-episode where we're going to be recounting and regaling all the fantastic slash shitty slash amazing things that we've watched in our season break. So, you know, that whole time you were sitting around going, oh, what did the dance think about this? Now we'll tell you. It could be a 13.7. It could be an 18.9. We don't know, but we will tell you on next week's mini-episode. 
Uh, Dan, you want to say anything to the audience about season two before we head out? Nope. Cool. And uh, stick around for Rachel's review corner of Birds of Prey. Bye, everybody. Maybe. Yeah, this is this is profesh. You're feeling profesh? <laughs> well, this is all for you, honey. Wait, we should hang out down here and play video games. I, I have implored you to play video games. And watch, we should watch here. a 3D movie. Do you want to do one of those things tonight? Yeah. Not the 3D movie. Yeah, let's, let's play a game. Games? Yeah, we'll play a game. You want to play a game? <laughs> That's as long as it takes for you to become uninterested in a video game. I'm just so little... You say it, you say it, and the words come out, and then you go... I'd just rather be lazy and just completely sit with my hands down. <laughs> um, so this is the season premiere of Were Rachel's... we recording the whole time? Yes, for sure. Start that word. Okay. <clears throat> Cut. <laughs> that's all that's all going in. Um, this is the season premiere of Rachel's Review Corner. Um, we got so many letters about season one that we had to bring this back. Hi! This is what, <laughs> this is what, what people are waiting for. Dishing with Rage. How about that? <laughs> no. No? You don't like that as much? No. You like Rachel's Review Corner? Yeah. I don't know who made that name up, but um, it seems right. This is also the latest I think I've ever potted. This is like past my potty time. <laughs> I only potty usually during the day. This is like the latest I've ever pottied with anyone. So thank you for joining me. Sure. Um, tonight, for Rachel's Review Corner, we saw a brand new film at the IMAX Theaterplex. And that film was called... Birds of Prey. Not Harley Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> I almost got by with Rachel thinking the movie was called Harley Quinn until she saw a poster in the lobby. And it clued her in. She was like, what's that movie? Birds of Prey? Wait a minute. I was like, damn it. <laughs> Um, also, shout out to the people who work at the King of Prussia Movie Theater. Yes. They solved a huge crisis. We almost had another blazed meltdown at the movie theater, but we were <laughs> saved by the manager who switched our tickets because I bought the wrong ones to the wrong theater. <laughs> and they switched them right then and there, which is, that's got to be new technology. We're giving them a good review for Regal. If you guys are listening to five this... Five bags of popcorn. Five bags of popcorn for Dennis, the regional manager of Regal Cinemas 17. King of King Prussia. King of Prussia. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we saw Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, which is the full title of the actual movie. Oh, okay. Which I don't know how I even remember that. Um, and uh, I don't know, why don't you lead off and... Tell us what you thought about the movie tonight, honey. Well, oh wait, first of all, we watched Suicide Squad 
to kind of tee this up and get ready for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of Suicide Squad? I loved it. You loved it? Yeah. What did you give Suicide Squad out of 10 Golden Rachels? Well, as you know, we watched it, what, at least a week ago? So yes. it's one really week starting ago, to fade. It's starting really to disappear to... like uh, the people in the photos of Back to the Future. <laughs> it's just slightly fading away. It's, I, I still feel it like a little bit up uh-huh. there. Um, I did really like it. I'd give it a, an 8. You'd give it an 8. And what about tonight's film? The Harley a, Quinn. I'd give it a 9.5. So you like this more than Suicide Squad? Yeah. But I don't know. Actually, maybe Suicide Squad is a, Squad is a 9. Well, people um, really hated Suicide Squad. This is oh. something that you probably don't know. No. Um, which is that Suicide Squad came out and everybody absolutely hated it and trashed on it and bagged on the fact that it was like half reshot and all this shit. Well, but, actually, one thing that I didn't like was I didn't like seeing the Joker that way. That's not how right. it's supposed well, to be. Right. Well, now that you've seen Joaquin it's do just, his Joker, yeah, it's, it's pretty not the silly same. in comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about him not being in this movie tonight? I thought it was great. You liked him not yeah. being there. He you didn't need to be. That's okay. fair. Um, I thought the movie tonight was incredible. Okay. I thought it was a lot of girl power. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, yes. I, I also drove like a maniac home from the theater because I yeah. was kind of feeling like Harley you were Quinn. Feeling inspired, which is pretty dangerous sounding, honestly. <laughs> I said it made me want to be a bad girl. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe that's because every 13 seconds in this movie, there's a song about being like, I'm a bad motherfucking girl. The soundtrack of this movie was like the Spice Girls on like paint thinner. It was really upsetting to me. It was like every... Really? Thought like every two minutes there was a new horribly annoying song about girl power going on. <laughs> it really started to like gate on me. I was like, I understand this movie is about girl power. Oh, um, it was like revving me up. I really did not like this movie. What? I strongly <laughs> tell did, me that. I strongly, now. strongly dislike this. Are movie. you serious? I did love certain elements of it. Like Harley Quinn, obviously, Margot Robbie obviously was fantastic in it. But I thought the rest of it was just a really big dumb mess really yeah i really disliked it a lot (laughs) uh i had fun watching it but like in a way that my brain kept telling me like i should have done a rental on this one just felt like it was not very representative of the comics that it was based on and not very if it felt like all the people all the people that complained about suicide squad being like too confusingly edited and jumbly and full of weird songs. I thought that this movie was like that way more. I would rather watch Suicide Squad again oh. than watch this movie again. I did not like this movie very much. Okay. Um, I was like giggling like said, a little girl the entire movie. Yeah, I mean, that being said, <laughs> I did laugh quite a few times, mostly from Margot Robbie, who was really funny and has like some actual comedic jobs. Uh, did not like Black Canary very much. Oh. I really liked Huntress. I would have watched an entire movie of just Huntress. I'm not sure why, though, as a young Italian girl with, like, dark olive skin, she grew up into Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who is the whitest woman imaginable who has no accent. That was a little strange. Mm. 
but her character was really funny. I like the twist that she was actually super embarrassed and like an, an embarrassing person and yeah. just like she was like the DL of the team. Um, I did not like Rosie Perez, who is uh, played um, Lieutenant Montoya, who is yeah. one of my favorite characters from the animated series and such. She was really terrible in this and seemed like she was drunk in real life while making it and her character was drunk in the movie. And I just did not like her little, her bottom gums had like little teeth sunken into them and I just didn't like looking at them on the big IMAX screen. Um, and I thought she was so embarrassing. There's a scene where she quits the police squad and takes all of her evidence into a motel room, stuffs it all in a trash can and like goes to light it on fire. That was silly. And I was laughing very hard at that. And she was just like, um, a little too old to be that character. And for that reason, it didn't make any sense that she was like fighting along with these like assassins. Cause she was like a 50 year old woman. Um, and I just did not like this movie. I thought Ewan McGregor was like next level terrible in it. Really? Uh, his character Black Mask is like one of the more imposing Batman villains. And they made him like a psychotic, metrosexual, like chauvinist. The whole movie felt like very Me Too, anti-rape culture, anti, like they pretty much roofied Harley Quinn at one point. We're gonna rape her. There's a lot of like people almost being raped. Just like made me feel uncomfortable. I just didn't like it. Okay. I'm sorry. We'll talk more later. What do you mean? Am I going to get scolded for this? No. <laughs> what is there not to say right now? You're on a podcast reviewing the movie. I don't know. I'll what, do more like the... annoying like, but I liked it. Like, I'll do that later. You don't want to do that right now? <laughs> I did one. Just... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, let me think. What else? Um, yeah, I mean, the music really bothered me. And the editing I thought was terrible. And they did a couple things with like... Um, the timeline of the movie that like confused me and made me wonder why it was that way it was like harley quinn would be telling a series of events and then they would be shown like backwards and two days before and four minutes before and i think that that was like a cool writing trick but at the end of the day it made it so that the birds of prey being like huntress and harley and Black Canary were never really like in the same room at the same time mm -hmm. until literally the last 15 minutes of the movie. I was actually surprised um, from the previews. I thought this movie was going to be about this girl power, this group, and the group. Can I, can I give spoilers? Yeah. I mean, it's light, not like a big light. deal. Just the group doesn't like come together until you know the last yeah, few no, scenes. Yeah, yeah. And that. I actually liked that because in the previews, the one thing that bothered me was that it was going to be like a stupid girl movie. Like they used the line that she said at the very end of her being like, "Oh, like we should have a sleepover and make cosmos." Like I thought it was going to uh, be like, "Oh, it's going to be a lame like girls come together movie," but it was not like that at all because they weren't together. <laughs> So that was something I liked about it. I'm going to say something that's going to make me lose all credibility to any person that's actually still like listening at this point, because I'm assuming this is going to be at the end of an episode, but like I did kind of miss the Joker being in it as like, mm. a character. I did not specifically miss Jared Leto being in it, but I did miss the Joker in the sense that they spent so much time talking about him 
that if it wasn't such a fiasco that he was such a bad joker and Joaquin was so great and so he's not in this movie and I think there could have been good stuff there. Like, I don't think... I think if the movie was about Joker in the place of Roman Sionis and a.k.a. Black Mask as the head gangster and the person who's trying to find her, maybe they break up and he spends the movie trying to find her. I think that would have been a little more focused for me than than this character. The I just thought Ewan McGregor was just so wacky in this. And like we just saw him in Doctor Sleep and he's so serious in that movie. And he's like always Obi-Wan in my heart. And to see him like <laughs> acting the way he was acting. Like this scene where he made a woman in his club like stand on a table and then... Victor Zaz, who is another really great character from Batman who also was turned into, like, a clown in this movie, cut off her dress, and then she's like, but, like, it's his nightclub, but, like, isn't that, like, regardless, like, something you can't do? Like, aren't there, like, hundreds of witnesses to that? Like, is anyone going to go to that club anymore? I just don't know. Yeah, I It was I just know. an uncomfortable... I thought it, to me... I felt I'm... like I was, like, causing a slight crime by watching it at points. Hmm. <laughs> I thought it just showed that he was just, like, a psychopath killer. And I didn't like the little Asian girl. What was I liked her a lot. <laughs> what was her character's name? Cassandra Rain. <laughs> Something A-I-N. Cassandra Rain? Something at the end that... You got, like, a better memory than me. I don't, I don't remember her even, like, having Cassidy. Cassandra. They're like, oh, Cassidy. I like that the girl had, like, the singing power, but, like, kind of underused. Just Why didn't she use like, that in the first fight? Or any times, really. Because she was against using it for some reason. I'm going to say something, and, like, you, I want you to give me your reaction as, like, a woman. Because you're, like, offering our listeners a rare female perspective they don't often get. Um, <laughs> but, like, when you see women, like... Let's say Black Canary, right? She's like a five foot, six and a half, maybe at the most, girl. She probably weighs She seems much and... taller. She seems to me like a model. Like okay, five okay. ten. Well. Like big, built. Okay. I mean, huh? when you see them like fighting these like, in many examples, like six foot, three, four men ripped with muscles wearing like masks and like yeah i mean they all does just it flash through your, to the ground yeah, does yeah. it flash to your, through your mind after like the other night you tried to yes. demonstrate a hold from your work on me or, and then the other way around <laughs> tried maybe to prt dan and i prt'd you pretty badly as a result i felt really bad about it and i just felt like maybe <laughs> from that experience you'd be thinking about that while we watch this and you'd be like girls like can they really do some of the things they're doing in this movie? <laughs> My feelings were like, no, for the most part, considering not, none of the characters had they, powers, well, really. Well, um, Canary and I would say Harley Quinn do have powers, which could, I don't know, in that universe mean they're also stronger. Like, obviously, what, what Harley powers Qu- does Harley Quinn Harley have? Harley Quinn has just, she's just special. Like, she, she was a psychiatrist, she's smart, she turned to crime. Her whole story about why she said she turned to crime, all of that, she clearly, like, something isn't going on with her. <laughs> she also, like, had all the chemicals on her. This is all correct. So she's, yeah. like, you know, she can roller skate, like, 
on the super back of a car at Yeah, I mean, just saying, I think, I think she has, like, slight super strength and talents. Well, I'm glad this movie left you feeling empowered as a woman. Yeah. I'm glad that you enjoyed it, because that's all that really matters to me when we see a movie. Yeah. Um, better luck next time for me. Yeah. Sorry that... I thought you were not going to like it. Because, like, there were many times throughout I felt like I was, like, deep sighing and kind of just, like, looking at you. And you I didn't hear like, any of that or see any of that. Really? <laughs> I was literally giggling, grabbing your arm every two minutes, oh, like, wow. about how much I was enjoying it. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> also, I'm, like, pretty loud in movie theaters, I've realized. Um, I have loud reactions. So I did a lot of, like, whoa, things like that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give this movie a 6 out of 10. Okay. It's not that bad. It's enjoyable. It was fun. I laughed. I just don't ever want to see it again. Okay. Are we discussing any other films or are we ending with Birds of a Prey? <laughs> Birds of Prey. <laughs> I think I think uh, we will have to end now with that. <laughs> uh, the title's Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey. <laughs> I didn't know if it was like plural or... Bird of Prey. But it was really like more of a Harley Quinn joint for the most part, which I enjoyed. And she is great. I would like to see her in a movie made by a good director written good, too. Because this one was not. Okay. I did like the way she looked. I felt as if uh, like a Hot Topic had exploded in my face like a grenade for half the movie. There was glitter everywhere and a musical number that was like, whew. That really, was cool. I thought really that was embarrassing. So cool. Okay, I'm gonna get yelled. That at was like one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie. I was very displeased with this. She those got moments. punched in the face while being tortured, and she kind of went to her own realm of like imagining herself in some kind of musical where she was also like being tortured and like also <laughs> like kind of getting off on that. And yeah, okay. I thought it was very well. Uh, filmed and I thought it was really cool so who do you guys trust me or Dan who knows I mean honestly <laughs> probably you <laughs> all right uh this has been Rachel's review corner I'm Dan and I'm Rachel signing off bye we're still recording I mean technically I haven't turned it off yet okay do you want to press the space bar sure you want to turn it off